With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome on into episode two of our Giants podcast on NJ.com. And uh, we're back here, which means enough of you listened for the first week. So we're back for week number two, getting closer to the NFL draft. I'm Joe Giglio, and with me, as I'll have every week, is uh, Jordan Renan and Nick Powell covering the Giants for NJ.com. Guys, how you doing this week? Doing great, Joe. You? Doing well. How you doing, Nick? Not too bad. Not too bad. Joe, you know what I'm going to do? I know it's really a hard thing to do, and I really don't mind. But at some point before this podcast is uh, extinct and gone, we're gonna we're all gonna look, we're gonna get my name right. We're gonna we're gonna pronounce it right just once. How do we say it? Well, let's we'll we'll save that for another episode. It's it, this is that that could be an episode by itself. So this is a tease for episode three or four. Yeah. Well, well, we actually we want to make people come back. That might not that might not do it. Let's get into better things, like more a little something a little more interesting than my my last name. All right. Let's get into it. Let's start here. Uh, with the obviously the NFL draft coming up next Thursday, a week from Thursday, and everyone is putting their mock drafts out, guys. Everyone has. You guys have had them. Everyone, everywhere you look, there's a mock draft. So we're going to do our own right now. Jordan, you're going to have the number one pick. Nick's going to have two. I'll go three. We'll keep going in that order, and then we get to the Giants pick. We'll we'll see where we're at, see who's off the board, and see who we could pick for the Giants. All right? Sounds good. I'm in. All right, Jordan, I you're have- on the clock. You are the GM. Forget. Uh, forgetting Mr. Lick down there, down in Tampa Bay. You are the GM of the Bucks. Who is your number one pick? Yeah, I mean, if it was me, it would be different. But we're going to go, for the, for the sake of uh, this mock draft and being putting the players that have the best probability of being there for the Giants, I'm going to take Jameis Winston. Seems to be where they're going in Tampa Bay. I personally would go with Marcus Mariota. I think he's just a, a safer, better prospect, uh, can learn more. But Winston, you know, great physical talent has uh, everything you kind of need to be uh, an NFL starter at this level if he could stay, keep that off-the-field stuff and keep everything else in line. So uh, I love the way Winston throws. Going with Jameis Winston, number one. So Winston off the board one, probably be that way in a couple Thursdays from now. Number two, the Tennessee Titans on the board. Nick, where are you going? Uh, well, as Jordan highlighted Mariota before, uh, I'm sticking with him as my as my pick for for the Titans. There there a lot of talk about them, you know, liking Zach Mettenberger as a potential long-term starter. I don't really buy it personally. Um, I think Mariota's a guy that you can really build around, and uh, you know he's got the physical talent as Jordan mentioned. He's got a good arm. He's got blazing speed. Four point five in the forty. Um, and look, he might have to sit for a year, in which case, you know, they're in a good position potentially with Mettenberger as a, as a stopgap while he kind of learns the in, ins and outs of a pro-style offense. 
Um, so yeah, I think you know, no no trade ups, just straight up Tennessee taking Mariota at number two. And let's be honest, whether it's whether it's Tennessee or somebody else, somebody's probably taking Mariota there. Yeah, he's going in that spot, whether it be a trade or it be the Titans, you know, coming to their senses and finally getting themselves a quarterback. I agree with you. Mariota's going to go too. So that puts me up at three here and uh, a conundrum because I didn't expect, you know, and I don't know if the Jaguars expect Leonard Williams to be there, but I, I think they're going to go with a pass rusher. I'm going to pick Dante Fowler, the outside linebacker defensive end from Florida. I could see Leonard Williams if he's there still maybe being their pick, but I think the Jaguars in this spot, considering what we've drafted so far, I think they'll take Dante Fowler, uh, the pass rusher from Florida. So we have Winston one, Mariota two, Fowler three. Jordan, you're back up with the Raiders at four. I mean, you got Leonard Williams sitting right there. This is really hard. I don't know how the Raiders could pass up on Leonard Williams at this point. Uh, you could easily make the case that he's the single best player in this draft, but they're the Raiders. So we're going to go off the board, and we're going to go again. Uh, we're going to go wide receiver, but no, we're not going to go with Kevin White. The old Raiders might have done that, but this Raiders team, they're going a little on the safer side when it comes to wide, the wide receiver. They're not quite as enthralled with the, the size-speed thing of Kevin White. Uh, they're going with Amari Cooper. I mean, it, it just makes a lot of sense for that team. Uh, they need a wide receiver. And Cooper's rock solid. There's uh, people that think he's right up there with some of the guys from last year. We saw what those guys did, including Odell Beckham Jr., Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans. Uh, he's that rock solid. Uh, and he's just too much for the Raiders to pass up. They need a weapon uh, for Carr, and uh, Cooper is their guy. And uh, I, I really just don't see him sliding in this draft. That puts Nick up with the Washington Redskins at number five with Leonard Williams, maybe, as Jordan just said, the best player possibly in the whole draft sitting on the board. Who's your pick for the Redskins there, Nick? Got to go with Williams. I mean, it's a no-brainer. He's a, he's a top-five talent. Um, he's a guy that you know is kind of a prototypical 3-4 defensive end, uh, which is the system that the, the Redskins run. He's got good size. Um, you know, he's, he's projects as a potentially you know, monstrous pass rusher at the next level. Um, with you know, some really good ability against the run as well. I think, yeah, I think he's a perfect fit for, for their defense, uh, kind of found foundational defensive player. Um, and at number five, obviously awesome value for a guy who could potentially go in the top three. So that puts me up at six with the Jets, who I'm sure would have wished Amari Cooper was sitting here on the board. We've heard a lot about Cooper and the Jets. Uh, for me, though, I'm going to go with the pass rusher for the Jets, Shane Ray out of Missouri. Uh, if, if Leonard Williams was there, I think the Jets might have added to their tremendous defensive line anyway. But now maybe Shane Ray on the outside as a pass rusher to beef up what is already a really good defense uh, now with the, all the defensive backs they signed. So I'll go Shane Ray, pass rusher for Missouri for the Jets at six. Wow. I mean, this is, this is shaking out kind of strange here. Now, now at the uh, Chicago Bears, and we got a, a lot of choices here. I mean, we got the wide receiver with Kevin White. Uh, we got Randy Gregory, obviously uh, a, a different kind of, you know, has his own little problems. But, uh, you know, all the offensive linemen on the board. So lots of things shaking out here. And with the Dolphins, oh, sorry, Dolphins, I see it, it, somebody's predicted a trade here for the Dolphins up. But I'm going with the Bears. And I'm going to go with Kevin White here, actually, in this spot. I, I think that they go with the wide receiver. Uh, they need some speed to that offense. Kevin White is the guy, big guy, like him right there. So that puts Nick up at number eight, Atlanta Falcons. 
Uh, Kevin White's off the board. Cooper's off the board. Here come the Falcons. They've had a bad defense in recent years. Where are you going with them, Nick? Yeah, well, that's just it. I mean, they've got to get kind of a transcendent defensive player at this spot. Um, I think Vic Beasley makes a lot of sense for them. Um, you know, a real, real fast pass-rushing outside linebacker. Um, could come in, maybe play a little bit with his hand on the ground at defensive ends. Uh, he's, you know, look, he's got incredible speed coming off the edge. The, the Falcons certainly are in need of a pass rusher. They haven't really had much of a pass rush since John Abraham left. Um, you know, and Giants fans will probably, who have kept track of OCU Manura, obviously saw that he didn't really do much to help in that area either. Um, so I think Beasley's a good, a good pick and a guy that could potentially grow into a beast on the edge for them. Yeah, by the way, the Bears, they thought long and hard about Beasley right before. So, uh, you know, that he, he's going to make it to nine. And Which he did, creates a conundrum for the Giants here. No, of course it is. Now we're at the Giants here. Beasley's gone. Uh, but there are some obviously some good players left on the board, as there's always going to be when you have the number nine pick in the draft. So we all get to pick for this one. The Giants on the board, we know their needs. We know the players that are gone in our little mock draft here. Uh, let's go around. We'll start with Nick, then Jordan, and I'll go last. In this scenario, based on the mock draft we've had so far, who will the Giants take? I'm going with Brandon Scherf. Um, I think, you know, I've, I've kind of stayed firm on that. I think he's the, the best offensive line prospect in the draft, um, just based on what I've seen from him on tape and based on the scouting reports I've read and things of that nature. He's a guy that can, that can play tackle, contrary to what a lot of people believe, um, that he's just a guard. Um, he certainly could be a very good guard if that's, the, that's where the Giants want to slot him in in that first year. Um, they could easily put him in at right guard in between uh, Justin Pugh and Weston Richburg at center. Um, but he's a guy that can come in and right away plug a huge hole for the Giants and give them really what could be um, you know, something of a strength this year on their offensive line. Um, you, know, you have Jeff Schwartz coming back from injury. That's basically like getting a new player since he only really played one game last season. Um, so with, you know, with Richburg moving to center... Uh, Pugh and Beattie at the tackles, and Schwartz and Scherf at the guard, and then maybe you you know, transition Scherf into uh, to a tackle later on. I think that's that's the pick for me. I'm going with Brandon Scherf from Iowa. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to argue that one, but I'm this is really the the dreaded spot for the Giants the way I look at it. I mean, then they're almost forced into okay, we got to take the offensive lineman here. I, I don't see Danny Shelton as being a guy who's going to be able to play enough in the NFL to warrant a top 10 pick. Uh, you know, he's a deep More of a two-down Yeah, well, you know, he can play some pass rush. He's not a great pass rusher. But at 350 pounds, you're just, you're just not a guy that's going to be able to play. Every, you know, you're only going to be able to play at the most 40 downs in, uh, a game in the NFL. Yeah. I, I just don't see him being a 50, 60, you know, snap kind of guy. It's just going to be hard for me. you got to be really, really dominant. Really, really refined. I'm not sure he's refined enough. So, Randy Gregory, no, they're not going in that direction. I don't see that happening. Uh, receivers like Devontae Parker, I just don't see that happening either. He's not uh, highly regarded enough to be in this spot. So, you know, Trey Waynes, uh, possibility. I mean, for me, it's between Waynes and the and a offensive lineman. So, I'm going with – I'm sticking with Eric Flowers here. That was the guy I said. He's more of a natural tackle than Sheriff, I think, with a because he has more of a future. I think this is big with the Giants. Is if they're going to pick a guy in nine, he has to be a solid guy who also has the potential long term to be a guy 
that they think that they could put on the left side. I'm not sure if Scherf is that guy. I really don't think he is that guy. He could be. I think they think he could be a really good right tackle, but left tackle he probably doesn't have the length that Flowers does. He's a mauler. You could put him immediately in right tackle and move Pew inside. You're a much better running team, especially with Schwartz in the lineup. We don't really know what Western Richburg is going to be, but you sure hope he's going to be an upgrade from J.D. Walton after last year. So if they can stay healthy, you got to cross your fingers. That's an offensive line you can kind of count on this year. Definitely be better as a run-oriented offensive line. Uh, Flowers will help. He, you look at the athleticism for a guy who's 6'6", 330, you just don't see that often. So I'm sticking with Flowers here. But I will say this. If Leonard Williams is there at 5 and the draft plays out like this, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Giants move up and go and try and make that kind of move. Uh, we'll talk about more about this later on in the week. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I see that as being a possibility because if Beasley's off the board, Williams is off the board, both the receivers are going to be off the board, uh, you know, it kind of puts the Giants in a spot where they have no choice and they're going to go with an offensive lineman, even if that's not what they feel is best. So uh, that would be a tough spot. So I'm going to say... Flowers, but with the contingency, contingency that if Williams is at five, that, that that might be a definitely definite possible move for them to make. They really they really like him. That would be fascinating because he's a guy that no one really expects to fall. He fell in our mock draft, and if he gets to five, the Redskins have been a team people have talked about uh, maybe open for business and move, moving down, and, and maybe the Giants, like you just said, Jordan, could be the team that moves up. I'm on the same page as you guys. I, I think in the mock draft we have and, and probably in the real draft coming up, uh, in less than two weeks. It's going, going to be an offensive lineman here for the Giants if it plays out the way we think. I, I'm with Nick. I'm going to go Brandon Sheriff from Iowa. Uh, I like him. I understand he's not a left tackle of the future like you were saying, Jordan, but I, I think you know, after hitting a home run last year with Odell Beckham Jr., I think the Giants, if he's there and it plays out this way, I think they'll be happy taking the double or the single and you know, getting a really good offensive lineman, plugging him in. Boring. A, it's boring, <laughs> but it might work. It's boring, but it might work. And you know what? They have a good offense around the offensive line, and I think you add one more piece there. Uh, you protect Eli. I think they'll be in good shape. So we all go offensive line, and we're all yeah. bored. Yeah, seriously. When when the when the exciting pick is the uh, the right tackle, the, the you know the more natural right tackle, then we, yeah, we're all boring here. But uh, <laughs> the 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 way it played out, it kind of put us backed us into that spot, and I think that's sort of why the you know how the draft plays out is going to play big into this. It certainly will. All right, so let's go with something that's not boring here for our next little segment, and that would be boom or bust. We'll play with wide receivers uh, this week. And before we get into this, I want to ask both of you guys, you were there last year paying attention to the rookie wide. It was a great rookie, rookie wide receiver class, maybe the best ever. How do you compare the guys coming out this year to last year? Uh, my, th my opinion is it's not quite as good, but there's some really good ones. Do you agree? Could this draft class actually be better for wide receivers? I think it might be – I think last year's might have been a little deeper in the sense that there were guys picked in like – I think that – what, like Martavis Bryant went in the fourth round I think last year. He ended up catching a, you know, a bunch of touchdowns, had a pretty good rookie year for the Steelers. Um, there was some – yeah, I just think there was a lot – some more the kind of mid-round guys that ended up being real players last year as rookies. Um, I'm not sure it's as deep once you get past – um, Cooper White and, and Devontae Parker in Louisville. Um, you know, after that, you get guys like Doriel Green Beckham, who are you know very talented, but come with some off the field concerns. Um, you know, Brashad Perryman's another name 
you know, great speed, but you know, a little bit raw, a little rough around the edges. So that would be my take. I think Cooper and White and Parker have just as much potential as um, guys like Watkins and, and Odell Beckham and um, uh, Jarvis Landry and some of the guys that got taken last year high. Uh, but yeah, I just don't think it's as deep. That would be my yeah, take. I'm, I'm on the other side. I actually don't think the top is as strong. I just I like Cooper, and I, I almost put him in that range. But even then, uh, those guys last year, they were accomplished. They were talented. Uh, they were super athletic. Uh, I just think that you look at Mike Evans. You look at Mike Evans to me, and you, you look at Beckham even, uh, Sammy Watkins. These are guys that are all better than Kevin White, in my opinion, all better than way better than Devontae Parker. Uh Nelson Aguilar. So to me, it was a little stronger up top with the top couple guys. Kelvin Benjamin was in the middle of, you know, I think he was like the middle of the first round, maybe even a little towards the bottom of the first. Uh, and I think you could put him on par with, with you know, almost not quite with Kevin White, but almost in that category. And so I think there's a little stronger up top if you ask me. All right, we'll go with the top five wide receivers, at least on the mock and the board I'm looking at right now. We'll do boom or bust with each of them. We'll go Jordan first, then we'll go Nick for all these wide receivers. We'll start with Amari Cooper. I think, we're, I, think I know what I'm going to hear, but I want to hear from you guys. Boom or bust, Amari Cooper. Yeah, boom, this guy's solid. Route running, dynamite, everything is there. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I, I don't see real any really any flaw. I mean, if you really want to nitpick – He's not 6'5", um, but he's you know 6'1", 6'2", 4.4 speed. Um, yeah, catches everything in sight. Uh, really precise route runner. He's a guy that you know really shows up on film and and it kind of matches up with the scouting reports you read. So yeah, boom. I think six months ago, guys, Amari Cooper would have been number one on everyone's board, but Kevin White with the combine he had, with the year he had last year, has jumped up. Maybe some teams have him above Cooper. Kevin White, boomer bust. I'm going to go bust. I don't know. I, something about Kevin White, I'm just not sure he's – and not that he's not going to be a good player. I'm just, I'm just thinking the expectations right now are going to the point where he's becoming maybe even better. Like, you know, his, his film is good. I don't think it, it shows a superstar in the making, though, so bust for me. Um, I'm going to go boom. I, th I like White. Uh, I, I kind of agree with Jordan in the sense I think he's a little bit overhyped um, and kind of – you saw his – he wasn't really mentioned as a top 10 pick until he blazed the, the 40 in the combine, ran a 4.3, and with six three, at 6'3", six with that kind of speed, you know, that's that's potential, you know, prototypical number one receiver uh, measurable. So, um, you know, but that even that putting that aside, um, I like what I've seen on tape. He's, he's really athletic. He high points the ball pretty well. Um, and he just seems like a, a humble, good kid who, who's going to work hard and get better. Um, so I think you got to kind of take those, some of those intangibles um, into consideration. So I'm going to go with Boom. I think he's, you know, he might maybe he won't be as as good as some of the highly decorated receivers from last year, but I think he'll be a solid number one eventually. What about Devonte Parker? I mean, Cooper and White. Almost every mock draft you look at, they're both top ten guys, and it flip flops between who might go first. But then Parker seems to be the most consistent third wide receiver off the board, six three from Louisville. Devonte Parker, Boomer Bust. I'm going to bust again. I don't know. Again, uh, I don't see greatness out of uh, when I when I watched him play. I see a very good player, uh, but not not great. So I, I don't know. Just a, a few too many drops, a few too much inconsistency for me. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree with Jordan on that one. I'm going to go with bust on uh, on Parker. I just he seems a little bit soft, and not that you know wide receivers have to be big tough guys, but um, you want to see a guy that can you know get off the line of scrimmage against press coverage. Um, you know, make those kind of tough catches in traffic. I'm not really sure that Devontae Parker can do that based on what I've seen, um, which is, you know, granted not a ton. But, um, yeah, I'm going to go with Bust. I'm not I'm not sure he's quite on the level as the first two guys. The fourth wide receiver guy making us probably all feel old, watching his dad with the Lions back in the in the 90s, Brett Perriman, now his son, Rashad Perriman, Central Florida, Boomer Bust. He, he's a guy that I like a lot and, and one that, you know, I every time I watched him in, in the games I did get to see him, he – he looked the part. I'm not sure if he's going to translate and be the part in the NFL, but he looks like an NFL wide receiver already. How about Perriman, Boomer Bust? Yeah, I'm going with Boom on him. I I, I like guys that produce. Uh, he did, you know, uh, and and that speed is really special. That's just not normal speed. So uh, I'm going Bust with him. I, I I mean, I'm sorry, Boom. I see I see big things out of Rashad Perriman. Agreed. Yeah, I, I like I like Brashad Perryman. He seems like a guy that can kind of be a good value pick maybe later in the first round. Um, yeah, he's fast as hell. He you know he's a little bit raw in his route running, but that's something that can be you know brushed up a little, with with good coaching in the next level. Um, so yeah, I think you know his his height and his speed makes him a really interesting prospect. I think the fifth guy maybe the most interesting with the boom or bust. Uh, segment here. Doriel Green Beckham, Oklahoma, Missouri. Before that, he's 6'5, 237. You're talking about looking the part, but then he has almost every red flag you can have coming into the NFL draft with his behavior, leaving Missouri, going to Oklahoma. I, maybe some teams won't even have him on their board because of all that. Where do you guys sit with Green Beckham? Boom or bust? Maybe the ultimate you boom or bust. You just made the case for me, Joe. I don't even have to do anything here. Go for it. Let's bust. Hear it. Bust. I mean, there's just too much there. There's too much there. You can't have that many red flags. Can't have that many question marks and think the guy's gonna pan out. There's just too much that can go wrong. And when it can, uh, some a wise man once told me if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. DBG bust. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a conditional bust. Um, just because you know at six five, um, running you know as fast as he does four four point four nine in the forty. Um, I think there's 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 enough raw talent there that if he goes to the right team in the right system, um, and they're patient with him, then he could definitely develop. There's no reason to think that he couldn't develop into a really good receiver. Um, there are a ton of red flags. So, not... is it, can you can you go with conditional bust? It's you. I've never heard that one before. That's <laughs> yeah, unique yeah. to this podcast. Hey, I'm I'm starting it. I'm debuting the conditional bust. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I, I I think look, I think he's he's clearly got a lot of red flags. I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable picking him um, in you know the first or second round if I was a GF. But um, look, these are the guys you take a flyer on and kind of hope you know cross your fingers and hope that it works out. Um, I think a team with a solid organization in place, solid infrastructure could could develop him. But that being said, I'm I'm sticking with my bust. All right, before we move on, there's so many wide receivers in this class. We talked about, you know, comparing it to the 2014 class. The, the chart I looked at before we started here today had 16 receivers with third or better round grades, which means there's going to be a lot of receivers taken early in this NFL draft. Give me a name we haven't talked about. Could be a second-round guy, third, fourth, that you guys like and you think is going to end up as a good wide receiver in the NFL. There certainly were a number of them last year. Well, for me, it's not he's, he's going to be a mid-first-round pick probably, but he's just not the guy that everybody's making out to be. We didn't even list him as the top five receivers. Is Aguilar, Nelson Aguilar, USC. Uh, 
you know, I've just I've heard a lot about him, and a lot of people tell me, you know, he's almost like this year's Odell Beckham, and you know, maybe not at that same level, but how he's you know sneaky good, and that he's gonna you know be drafted higher than most people think, and that he's just a star in the making, does everything well, he explodes, catches the ball, and uh, is just a true playmaker. So he's not a huge name. He'll be a pretty high pick. He's not one of these mid-round picks maybe that you asked for, so I cheated here a little bit, but I'm going with Nelson Aguilar. We just make our own rules here, apparently, Jeff. That's what this podcast is about. In fact, <laughs> before, we, uh, before we end this one today, I have a big announcement. We have the name of the podcast locked down. Oh, do we really? Okay. Yeah, that's, com that's coming before this one ends today. All right, good. <laughs> Anything could happen here. That just shows you. You, know, you, you never know what's going to happen here on this podcast. Nick, give us a sleeper wide receiver. Sure, yeah, a name I've I've been hearing a lot recently, and and just as I've done a little bit more research, is uh, certainly a little bit in, uh, intriguing. Is the guy named Chris Conley? He's a wide receiver from Georgia. Um, has all the kind of similar measurables as the guys that we mentioned earlier. Six two two thirteen ran the forty in four point three five seconds, which is obviously incredibly fast. Um, you know, athletically, he really jumps off the board. Forty uh, five inch vertical leap. 139-inch in the broad jump. Um, you know, he's definitely a little bit raw in his route running from from what I've read based on scouting reports. But if you can get him in, like, the second or third round, then I think you can definitely uncover a potential gem there. Yeah, not many guys run a 4-3-5. I mean, that's pretty special. Yeah, especially a third-round, projected third-round pick. So, Yeah, that's a tremendous number. That's real speed right there. So it's going to be a, another deep wide receiver class. You know, every time you look up watching this draft, there's going to be another wide receiver off the board. All right, let's get into a little buy or sell here based on some of the Giants headlines that you guys have been writing about uh, recently. We'll start with Eli Manning, and he did speak. You guys uh, wrote about it on NJ.com, and Eli Manning wants to cut down on his interceptions as any quarterback would want to, but Eli's had issues with that in the past. Buy or sell Eli Manning 2015, 10 or less interceptions. Jordan? Sell. He's never done it yet. Well, I mean, why would I... Why would I bet on him being able to do it in year 12, uh, year 11 as a starter? I mean, I understand it's a different offense, uh, less risk, easier passes, higher completion percentage. But uh, under, 10, under 10 interceptions is special. And uh, Eli, you know, people are like, oh, he would have done it last year if you eliminate the San Francisco game. And, yeah, I understand that. But you know what the problem with Eli Manning is? Those games pretty much come once a year. He has those kind of games. That's... That's part of the package with Eli Manning, for better or worse. You just got to take it, uh, the good with the bad. So uh, over 10, definitely in my mind. Yeah, completely agree. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much to add. I was going to definitely point out the, uh, you know, the inevitable four or five interception stinker that, that he'll have at some point this year. Uh, Manning just kind of well, has the pretty, Five is pretty special. Five is definitely special. Five that was a real special game. Uh, fourteen point four Q, QB rating in that one. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. He's just look. I think Eli's made great strides, and and he's clearly become um, a more accurate passer in McAdoo's system. But um, you know, single digit interceptions is a lot to ask, even for a guy who's who's trying to cut them cut them down. I think you know maybe more closer to what he had last year in the fourteen to sixteen ranges. A little more accurate. I think the Giants can live with, you know, 12, 14, 16. Those aren't terrible numbers. As long as Eli is going to throw 30 touchdowns, if he could stay, uh, you know, under 20, preferably 18 interceptions, I think you're in good shape. You're close to 2 to 1 at that point, and that's good. 
Guys, recently Eli Manning was down at Duke with his wide receivers, including Victor Cruz. And uh, speaking about that, he said they took it easy with Cruz. Obviously, you know, he's on his way back here from a pretty major injury last year. Buy or sell Victor Cruz coming back and playing at the level we're accustomed to him playing? I'm first sell. I, you know, that's a tough thing to ask him to do. Uh, it's nothing against Victor Cruz. I, I actually am a big fan of Victor Cruz as a player. Uh, but, you know, this is a rare injury. It doesn't happen often. Uh, it's hard to come back from, from what, you see, what you hear. And uh, to do it in year one and come back and be the same exact player, I think that's asking a lot. I mean, yeah, if it happens, I, I think it has a better chance of happening. Uh, you know, midway through the season. So at least for the first half of the season, you you know, you're going to see a guy trying to get back to where he was before. So uh, I'm going to sell that. I, I just I, that's a that's a tough thing to ask for a guy coming back from this kind of injury and to expect him to play at that level because he was at a, a really really high level. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I'm looking at his numbers right now. Is if we're if we're if we're saying return to the top level of you know, 86 catches, over a thousand yards receiving uh, that he was in 2012. I'm definitely gonna um, have to sell on that one. Um, you know, I like like Jordan. I, I think you know Cruz is a great player when healthy. Um, he's got a really good work ethic. I have no doubt that he's gonna work his butt off to get back to where he was. But um, yeah, he's kind of in uncharted territory, like Jordan was saying with this injury. Um, believe it or not, you know, the t a torn ACL is, has become a more routine recovery than uh, than this injury that he has, the torn patellar tendon. So he's kind of he's kind of a test case to see if you know uh, an explosive kind of dynamic athlete like he was can really recapture some of that quickness that he had in the slot. Um, and I, I just think it's going to be tough sledding at least initially. Um, you know, I could see a situation where. Maybe he gets off to a rough start in the first five or six games, and then comes off comes on late as he, you know, gets his legs under him. But I think it'll be tough for him to kind of match that that eighty catch plateau that he was uh, accustomed to in his first couple of years. Yeah, eighty catches, ninety catches, you know, twelve, thirteen hundred yards like he was doing. Uh, that's you know, even fifteen hundred yards. It's, that's a lot to ask. I don't think it's realistic at this point. It is a lot to ask, and you know, I'm looking here on NJ.com. You had a piece this morning, Jordan, about JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, not reporting to voluntary workouts here uh, on Monday, and he doesn't have to, but he is unsigned with the franchise tag. Looking at the comments, some people a little bit concerned. For you guys, buy or sell Giants fans being concerned? Should they be concerned that Jason Pierre-Paul stayed away from the offseason workout program, even though it's only volunteer, and that this might you know, permeate into something more uh, as the summer gets closer, no, they, you know, they. This is part of business. They didn't offer him a long-term deal. Uh, they slapped the tag on him and put him under a one-year contract. And he's got to be careful now because he's uh, got to, you know, protect himself for the long-term future. Not saying that, you know, he should. He's going to play any harder or any less. But these are voluntary camps, and there's no reason for him to go and and put himself at risk in these type of situations when he's playing on a one-year deal. And his future is in the balance. So for him, the best thing to do is stay home, work out at home, which he's doing, working out hard, which by all accounts it seems like he's doing, and, and continue to do that. Joe, did you fall or something? You all right? No, sorry. It was my dog. Just <laughs> the, the toys. Um, I thought we I thought we might have lost Joe in the middle of the uh, <laughs> middle of the middle of the second podcast. Joe Julia. Uh, I'm just so concerned with Jason Pierre not showing up. I fainted here. 
Joe Julia taken to the hospital middle of the second podcast. <laughs> no, so for me, I, I don't think it's a big deal. Look, he's not going to be the only one. Justin Houston from Kansas City, he's not going to be there. Des Bryant, he's not going to be there. When this is the way you conduct business and teams put themselves in this corner, uh, you know, and they're not going to invest in the people long term and they're going to go out and sign other guys long term and this guy's sitting there and he's got to play on the one-year deal, this is, this is, uh, this is the, uh, you know, the, the fallout of it is that they're, they're not going to come and show up to these things and work out with everybody else and put themselves at risk. Yeah, no, I, I don't have much to add to, to that other than, you know, if, if this was a training camp holdout type of situation, then maybe, Different you know, story. If, you're, if you're a Giants fan, you have you have cause to be worried. But um, there's no indication that it's going to get to that point. This kind of seems like it's just standard operating procedure for guys on playing on the franchise tag. Um, I would expect that um, JPP will show up when, when he's supposed to at the mandatory minicamp next uh, in June. What is that, in June? Yeah, mid June around June. 15, right. 16, so I, if, if he's a no show there, then you know, right, maybe start worrying. But um, yeah, like Jordan said, this is just just how this is how business is in the NFL these days. Yeah, I mean, how, he, he didn't even sign it yet, so you know, he's not going to be there. That's just he's not under contract. How about your dog, Nick? Is he concerned or she concerned? <laughs> I think that's what that was. Yeah. Oh, she's she's flipping out. I mean, she's throwing toys. She's, all just, she's excited. Yeah, chasing her tail. She's she's a big JPP fan, so. <laughs> well, I did say we had an announcement here. We we were talking about naming our podcast, uh, other than just you know our Giants podcast on NJ.com. So uh, the powers that be here at NJ.com have have helped us out, and we we have it. It's locked down. It is called Talk Is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. So I would imagine Tom Coughlin's going to be a fan of this. Yeah, that's what Tom Coughlin's saying. You know, Talk Is Cheap. <laughs> so there we go. But you know. Even even if Tom is not here when this podcast is thriving in five years, uh, his memory and his legacy will be with his talk is cheap uh, naming of our podcast. Thank you, Tom. Uh, he contributed unwillingly, of course, uh, but uh, Tom Coughlin contributing to the naming of our podcast. Uh, we appreciate it. But, of course, it is a little bit of a misnomer because talk coming from – Giants experts like ourselves is hardly cheap. I mean, let's be real. Yeah. Right, and with but... all the revenue <laughs> the podcast is bringing in already, I mean, this is hard. <laughs> and if, if we actually ask Tom Coughlin about what we're saying, you know, anything we're saying, that would probably be his answer. So maybe we can get him to say that for us. That would be perfect. It would be almost like an opening liner, Tom Coughlin yelling at us saying, talk is cheap. Why do you have a podcast? Uh, I'll work on it. I, I'm pretty sure all I got to do is open my mouth and we Yeah, I was gonna, I was going to say I don't think that'll be a hard one bite to get. <laughs> Great stuff. All right, guys, appreciate this, and um, we'll do it again next week. If you have questions, of course, they can send them to you guys. Uh, throw out your Twitter accounts uh, and how everyone can reach you for uh, for questions for next week. Jordan Ranon, you got that, Joe? Ranon. Ranon. See, now I have it. <laughs> R- one word, Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, Ranon, R-A-A-N-A-N, and uh, that's at Jordan Ranon on Twitter. Yeah, you guys can reach me at um, at Nick Powell, B-K-N-Y, that's N-I-C-K-P-O-W-E-L-L-B-K-N-Y. Um, yeah, I'm available 24-7 for your Giants needs. 
Wow, you just opened up a can of worms by saying that. 24-7. Yeah, actually, maybe not 24-7. 12-7 or something. You can't, I mean, maybe we can edit that out, but I have a feeling that's going to make it into the podcast. 24-7 for Nick. All right, great stuff here. And, of course, thanks for listening to Talk is Cheap, a Giants podcast on NJ.com.